0: Welcome to the Search for Truth podcast, where we take a look at the Word of God and its authentic application to our lives. I'm Pastor Young, and in our daily Bible studies, we will ask the question What is truth? Where do I fit in the story? And what is God saying to the church? So grab a Bible and enjoy. Word up! Hey everybody, welcome to another Search for Truth Bible Study. Um, As I've been praying and trying to seek after the will of God for uh, where we're to go next, um, honestly I feel quite led for us to just press on where we were and go into 2 Samuel. So uh, today's lesson may be a little short because uh, honestly the chapter is not tremendously full of action. But nevertheless, there's a really great topic that we find in Second Samuel chapter 1. And uh, as you're turning there, I want to take just a moment to thank you, uh, whether you're watching this on YouTube or whether you're listening to this on the podcast. Thank you so much for your support and um, for your faithful listening and watching. Um, be sure to share this and, and uh, to try to spread the word as far as you can. Second Samuel Chapter One. It reads: Now it came to pass after the death of Saul, when David was returned from the slaughter of am- of the Amalekites, and David had abode two days in Ziklag, it came even to pass on the third day that behold, a man came out of the camp from Saul, with his clothes rent and earth upon his head. And so it was when he came to David that he fell to the earth and did obeisance. And David said unto him, From whence comest thou? And he said unto him, Out of the camp of Israel am I escaped. And David said unto him, How went the matter? How did the battle go? Uh, I pray thee, tell me. And he answered that the people are fled from the battle, and many of the people also are fallen and dead. And Saul and Jonathan his son are dead also. And David said unto the young man that told him, How do you know that Saul and Jonathan his son are dead? And the young man that told him said, As I happened by chance upon Mount Gilboa, Behold, Saul leaned upon his spear, and the chariots and the horsemen followed hard after him. And when he looked behind him, he saw me and called unto me, and I answered, Here am I. And he said unto me, Who art thou? And he answered him, I am an Amalekite. He said unto me again, Stand, I pray thee, upon me, and slay me, for anguish has come upon me, because my life is yet in me. So I stood upon him, and I slew him because I was sure that he could not live after that he was fallen. And I took the crown that was upon his head and the bracelet that was on his arm, and I have brought them hither unto my Lord. David took hold on his clothes, he rent them, and likewise all the men that were with him. And they mourned and they wept, and they fasted until even for Saul and for Jonathan his son, and for the people of the Lord and for the house of Israel, because they were fallen by the sword. So this, this Amalekite who obviously has joined himself to the Israelites, that would, first of all, that would already speak of a traitor. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just talking personality-wise, okay? He has, uh, he has come with a message to King David. And he says, I, I, I've happened upon Saul And I saw, and I'm able to bring you this message that Saul and Jonathan have both been killed in battle. When David begins to ask him about how everything went and what the details were of them falling, this man says, well, uh, you know, Saul was already nearly dead anyways, and I gave him the final blow. Now, David, David has this, strange response that he calls for a fast and everyone starts weeping and and everyone is you know and I'm just giving you my initial reaction here to this David don't you remember that Saul is the one that was trying to kill you and so you would think that the immediate response from David should be relief this is the guy that has made my life miserable this is the guy that has caused me to live in caves and this is the one that that has uh, you know it's it's he's forced me into hiding he's forced me into uh into a fugitive lifestyle and yet whenever david learns about the death of the one that sought to kill him david mourns now i'm uh, <laughs> I, i'm I'm having a hard time with that, you know. I, maybe I—I I I guess I don't have enough mercy. I guess I don't have as much mercy as David had. Of course, David, you know, is one of these archetype figures that kind of stands as as like a preview of what Messiah is eventually going to be like. You know that that he weeps. You know, um, he weeps from the cross and he 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 cries out from the cross and says, "Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do." You know they they're they're in the process of killing jesus and yet what he shows is this mercy he shows this forgiveness towards them now as david begins to lament and as he grieves and a little bit later in in the book of second samuel i want to take a lesson maybe even two on biblical grief okay but we'll, And when we do that, we're going to come back to 1 Samuel. For today, I'm just going to keep it very simple. Um, David, in verse 13, says to the young man that told him, Whence art thou? Where are you from? And he answered, I am the son of a stranger. Just meaning, I'm not, I'm not of the Jews, really. I'm the son of a stranger, an Amalekite. And David said unto him, How are you not afraid to stretch forth your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Hmm. David called one of the young men and said, Go near and fall upon him. And he smote him that he died. And David said unto him, Thy blood be upon thy head, for thy mouth hath testified against thee, saying, I have slain the Lord's anointed. You see, this is. There, there's a lot of stuff to wrestle with here. There's a lot of stuff to reconcile because, you know, we we have this perception, this feeling, of like who's the bad guy, who's the good guy in the story, and uh, you know, how how do I how do I find myself? Who, who do I root for? You know, we have these kind of initial reactions whenever we read these things, and uh, let me tell you, it's it's a whole lot it's a whole lot more difficult to, to decipher through all of this in its morality and all of that than it is to you know, just have an allegiance to a certain team or you know I, I wear this color jersey and, and I'm going to root for them no matter what. You know, so, so let's take a close look at this. okay Why would David order for this Amalekite to be killed? Being that, yes, he's guilty of murder. Yes, he killed Saul. But remember that Saul was after David, you know, that Saul had, okay? Now, this is, I, I, could, I could make this complicated. I could go into a bunch of different biblical examples here. But I, I promised myself I would keep today simple. And so let it suffice that I give you this explanation, okay? David is in the place yet again. Of a righteous judge. He's in the place, symbolic, of a righteous uh, form of judgment towards Saul. David has granted Saul mercy. And then when the Amalekite comes in and takes, takes Saul's life into his own hands, this requires judgment towards the Amalekite. Now you might say to yourself, Okay, why would David order for the Amalekite to be killed? Um, and so that's right, but Saul being killed was wrong. These are tough questions, you know. First of all, first of all, you have to look at Saul's place. Okay, what I'm saying is, uh, you know, David had grown up with the Torah. He had grown up, uh, you know. A, understanding the respect that the anointing brings, you know, to someone, and uh, this is kind of a difficult subject coming from a pastor, you know, because we don't ever want to be, I'm speaking on behalf of a lot of pastors right now, we don't want to be the people that, you know, bonk people on the head and be like, respect me, respect, Uh, I mean, the the moment that you declare that you you uh, require respect. That's how you know that you don't have it, you know. And and so you, you live it. You live it by your character. You live it by the example. You live it by by demonstrating compassion. You 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 know you you show that you believe in people. You uh, you, you have to you have to live these things, not demand them. And Saul had, had not done a great job of this. Nevertheless, David understood. That if I honor leadership, even whenever they mess up, because folks, the anointing does not make you fall-proof or fool-proof. Remember that Paul said we hold these treasures, we hold these special things. You know, the the, the gift, of the glory of God, the gift of the Holy Ghost. We hold these things, but we're still earthen vessels, and so. The anointing does not make you foolproof. The anointing does not make you fallproof. The anointing puts a target on your back, and it is it is so easy for us to look at the anointing on someone's life and then assume that because they're anointed, they will never make a wrong decision. False, false, and I'm thankful for that, really, because I, I don't I don't want. Uh, No one in the ministry wants to be perceived as if they are anything other than just a human or I pray That better be your prayer if you're anointed and so whenever David recognizes the 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 uh, the precious nature of uh, of leadership in his life even whenever that leadership has made mistakes what David shows us is if you will honor your leadership, even whenever, even whenever they are more earthen vessel than treasure, God will end up honoring you. Okay? I had this conversation, um, I think, the day before yesterday with, with someone that I love dearly, and I, I told them, everyone needs an Eli. Okay? Think about this. Samuel learned to live for God rather than learning to live for Eli. Why? Because Eli was not a great example. If you if you look again at early on in 1 Samuel, you know Eli Eli was blind in the physical and in the spiritual. He was hard of hearing in the spiritual and the physical. There was no open vision. The, precious, the Word of the Lord was precious in those days, meaning rare. That means that the prophet wasn't really doing a great job. But my, how Samuel prospered under an unsuccessful leadership. You see, what this boils down to is whenever you have leaders that that you don't ever see any, any problem or you never see any fault. I, I Notice I say you don't see it. Not that it doesn't exist. But whenever you have leaders that you don't see any of that, it's very easy for you to fall in the trap of just walking with the leader rather than walking with God. Why? Because that leader is reachable. They are uh, they, I can see them, they're perceivable uh, in the flesh so I can walk in the flesh and I can walk with them. but if you're going to walk with God you've got to walk in the spirit. It's a little more difficult. you see Also uh, on the flesh side, the pastor is very limited as to what we can see, what we can perceive about you. We don't see what goes on at nighttime. If you run across a man of God that you know talks about I can read your mail and I'm so deep that I can you know I can tell you what you ate for breakfast and let me tell you, folks, the gifts of the spirit don't work like that. If they can, then that's divination, okay? Because the spirit of God, the spirit of God is given to us for the perfecting of the saints. It's given unto us for to help make the saints mature. And so the anointing is not given to us so that we can make our ministry some sideshow, okay? So what I'm saying though is, uh, Eli. Being being a, really a, an uncapable leader uh, He produced so much in Samuel because Samuel was able to look at what not to do and Samuel had to rely not upon the leadership of Eli, but he had to rely upon his relationship with God you got to understand that whenever people Uh, whenever people have been uh, put into your life and uh, you know we 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 have our heroes and we have the people that we admire and we look up to them and whenever they disappoint us rather than stoning them and rather than taking judgment and vengeance into your own hands and and killing the people in authority and and you know removing them rather than doing all of that why don't you realize that this is an opportunity for you to observe mercy towards someone else because Lord knows we all need it and Lord knows you need it and I need it. Number two, that this is an opportunity for me to walk with God rather than walk with man. And number three, there is a place where you can learn what not to do. David needed Saul. You see, this is why David is able to mourn for a man that was trying to kill him. David needed Saul because it was whenever Saul was chasing after David, pursuing David's life. David learned some things about God. He learned some things about leadership. He learned some things about being a king. He learned, You know you will never really get to grasp forgiveness until someone does you wrong and you're given an opportunity to take vengeance and you don't. Some of you feel like you're really good at forgiveness, but really it's because you've not been given the opportunity to take vengeance in your hand. Many of you, you feel like you're full of grace. You've got the love of God in your life. But for many of us, it's because we've not been given the chance. We've not not held someone's life in our hands yet. And so the question is not what do you do whenever you've not even been given the opportunity to take vengeance. The question is what do you do when you find him sleeping in a cave? He's been trying to kill you. What do you do whenever your brothers are starving in a famine and they now bow before you and it's up to you to give them wheat? What do you do whenever you have all power of judgment and and you have all righteousness in your hands being Jesus, you're hanging on a tree and you know that you could, uh, you could do anything to anybody at any time? That's the question, okay? So David honors the leadership in his life. Now when this Amalekite takes Saul's life into his own hands, What he did was he was executing judgment that even the king did not execute. And so the greatest lesson that I really want to leave with you today in 2 Samuel chapter 1 is if someone has done you wrong and God, even the king, has not taken that vengeance into his hand, it is not your place to take it into yours. Perhaps this is what Jesus was starting to refer to on the Sermon on the Mount, you know, if, if, you, if you care about the, 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 the moat, the splinter in someone else's eye, you've got to first address the beam that is in your own eye. Folks, what I'm saying is that, is that the spirit of discernment, you know, figuring out what's wrong with everyone else, it better turn inward way before it turns outward you better be able to discern some things about yourself, discern some problems that you have before you begin flowing in the gift of suspicion and identifying what's wrong with everyone around you except for you. This Amalekite found a man that was guilty, but a guilty man that the king had had mercy on. And so what this serves is a story for us to realize that if the king has granted them mercy, I'm going to get in trouble if I don't show to them the same courtesy that the king showed to them. Obviously, the end of of that Amalekite story is that he's killed, he's judged. I I would hate to see judgment that that the Lord may have intended for someone else fall upon me because I jumped ahead of God. Folks, let's give people the benefit of the doubt. Let's give them that that beautiful merciful thing where where it's like god they don't realize quite what they're doing and so forgive them that's one of the most releasing freeing amazing prayers that you could ever pray is that beautiful prayer that jesus prayed? forgive them they don't know what they're doing if they really understood how much it hurt you they wouldn't have done it if they really really understood how much it damaged you along the way they would have never said that If the King has allowed them to go this far, if the King has showed them mercy, do not show them judgment, because you're not the King. I love you all, I pray that this has challenged you, Uh, I pray that this has edified you, and uh, we will dig even deeper into 2 Samuel this coming week. I pray that you're blessed, and I pray that that, uh, you'll join us next time.